1: We are presented by Capital Collision Center. Montana State Law says it is your vehicle. It is your choice where you have it. repaired. choose Capital Collision Center. Uh, coming up today in the Major Mortgage Man Cave, we are talking college football rivalries. Uh, Doctors Joe Cobbs and David Tyler will join us. They founded this uh, project called NoRivalry.com, and it's K-N-O-W, Rivalry.com. Um, and they're going to be doing some FCS stuff soon. So I want to get their thoughts on how we as fans... Well, they're going to tell us how we as fans can be, be involved in, in making sure the Cat-Grizz rivalry is, is the best rivalry in the FCS, according to NoRivalry.com. I mean, we know it, right? But we'll talk about that coming up. You can watch on Pod or uh, Wow, po- watch on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, and listen on PodB Network One Sports, TreasureStateRadio.com. And uh, so much more. So, um, looking forward to uh, to this uh, conversation today with these uh, two great dudes uh, coming up here in just a little bit. Also on this day in history, and much more coming up. You can uh, tweet us at Jay Walker Sports, email Jason at JasonWalkerShow.com, and uh, you can call in two zero nine twelve sixty seven four zero six area code, obviously. So, all right. So sometimes what stays the same uh, is just as good, or sometimes whatever, never mind, I don't know what I'm trying to say. If it were, Billings football is getting a new indoor, Billings is getting a new indoor football team for March of uh, next year. Now they've had different football teams before, and really good football teams. Uh, The city's new um, champions indoor football team, and it's going to be called the Outlaws, thanks to a fan vote. Now, the Outlaws were there before. And, you know, it's, it's they played, what, 8 or 11 years? And won titles in 2006 and 2009. And then, uh, again, uh, the next year in 2010. So, I mean, this is, Billings has had great history. But remember the Father's Day tornado? Um, what year was that, 20-something? <laughs> 2010, has it been that long already? Uh, 2012, I guess, maybe. Anyway, so there was uh, the Billings Wolves were there for a while, for a couple years, but they haven't had football in Billings, the indoor kind, since 2016. Um, but the Outlaws will play in the CIF and uh, it'll be uh, interesting, it'll be fun, right? So they had like 400 different people vote online, and, and Outlaws was the clear favorite. They're also looking to get a dance team going. Uh, in 2021, teams played in the Champions Indoor Football League in Salina, Wichita, Dodge City, Kansas. Omaha, Nebraska, Sioux City, Iowa, and Gillette, Wyoming. And their season just ended, like five days ago. Or no, this was last. Yeah, this was five days ago. Uh, Omaha beat Salina, forty to thirty-nine. There were a couple of teams in Texas and Oklahoma that didn't play this year. Um, Denver is going to apparently hop in as well. So it'll be it'll be fun to see. It'll be fun to watch what happens moving forward with uh, the Billings Outlaws. Are you a fan of indoor football? Or are you just a fan of football in general, so therefore you're just going to watch football no matter what? Because I'm not a fan of the NFL. I don't watch the NFL. I keep up to date, obviously, to talk about it on the show, but I don't sit and, like, my life doesn't revolve around the NFL like some people's or certain teams. Like, I have a team I root for. And if they win, great. And if they don't, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it, right? But there's people out there, guys and girls, that are just so obsessed with football that don't watch anything. Like high school, college, pros, they'll watch the AFL when it used to work, the XFL, the CFL, the uh, lingerie. Now, I would watch the lingerie league, right? (laughs) But. Um, yeah. Hey, Duran Cafaro. by the way, uh, is living in Missoula now, but he's uh from East Helena, or from uh, Townsend area, East Helena. Um, won the bronze medal at the National Junior Olympic Tournament down in uh, Lubbock, Texas. Um, and this is the third Cafaro, Duran Buster Cafaro, But, uh, Got a big win. Now, the family, the Caffero family is great. I mean, we know the family over here very well. And a uh, great boxing family. So congratulations to uh, to little Duran. That's super cool. Uh, let's see. What else is going on before we get to our uh, guest today? Um, you got some, you got, I mean, football is starting to fire up, right? Right? Uh, you got training camps getting started across the area, across the state, across the country. But uh, you got the A Legion tournaments getting going. State uh, tournaments, state double A's next week. Oh, we did uh, want to tell uh, tell you as well that Tommy Le- uh, Tammy Legmay will take over at Dawson Community College uh, as softball coach. The assistant took over for Jim Laprouse who resigned uh, recently. So. There you go. There is that. All right. Speaker sprinklers sponsor of the Jason Walker Show. Speaker sprinklers love green grass. And before we get to our guests, I'm going to give you a little update on. So, obviously, you know rivalries. I mean, we talk about Cat Grizz. You got, you know, Great Falls C.M.R. Capital Helena High Glacier Flathead. All the, you know, um, the frontier stuff. Carol with basically everybody. When Carroll was really good, but Carroll Tech, Western Tech, huge rivalries, right? Um, on the basketball floor, Carroll Western, especially in women's side lately, um, Providence as well. And then you think about you know Oregon, Oregon State, Ohio State, Michigan. But what's the best football rivalry? There's two, a couple of guys uh, that have founded this this project and it's called NoRivalry.com. We're going to talk to him about it, but uh, what's your favorite rivalry? You can tweet us at Jay Walker Sports, of course Facebook us. You can email Jason at JasonWalkerShow.com, and, uh, and much more. But we're going to talk to these guys when we come back. They also, so, so far they've done like MLB, FBS, NFL, hockey, uh, NBA, soccer, And uh, they've got a whole bunch of other leagues coming soon, like FCS. And uh, I, I can't wait to talk to these guys. Canadian Football League, what's the best rivalry up in the CFL? What's the Big Bash League? We'll have to ask them about that. Australian Football League, WNBA, that's all coming. We'll talk to these guys, Joe Cobbs and David Tyler. They're both doctors. And they will join us when we return here on the Jason Walker Show, which is presented by Capital Collision Center. Montana State Law says it is your vehicle. It is your choice where you have it repaired. Choose Capital Collision Center. We're talking football rivalries next. Coming right back. or you can visit him at 2001 11th Avenue Building A Suite 3 in Helena. Major Mortgage is a division of Amcap Mortgage, NMLS number 129122, equal housing lender.
3: Who doesn't love being number 1? When your team's dominating the standings or your favorite band rocks the charts at number 1. It feels good, right? Kind of like how it feels when you have auto insurance with State Farm, because making you feel like number 1 is an honor your local State Farm agent takes seriously. Through the good times and not so good, your state farm agent's proud to be here to help life go right.
1: Call state farm agent Mike Miller in Helena today. Do you love to look at photos of Montana from animals to landscapes and more? Are you looking for a place to get your senior pictures or family portraits done? Are you a business owner looking to upgrade the decor in your offices? Well, look no further than Mark LaRoe Photography.
0: Welcome back to the Jason Walker
1: Show. All right, welcome back. On a Thursday, this segment brought to you by Rucker's Furniture. Make the quality choice for your home at Rucker's Furniture, 1010 Dearborn, Helena. On this day in history, the walk-off, and much more coming up. We get set for the weekend as well. And I'll tell you who I'm having dinner with, why I'm dressed so nice today. And I actually have pants on. Well, normally I wear shorts, but I actually have pants on today. But we... Uh, Are going to hop right into our uh, our next segment, and I've been anxious to talk to these guys for a couple of weeks now. And uh, there we go. Um, I see them both. It is uh, Dr. David Tyler and Dr. David or uh, Joe Cobb's. There's only one. How are you guys doing? We're doing all right. Thanks for having us on, Jason. All right, so we got David on my right, which would be there, and Joe's on my left with the pool table, right?
4: That's
1: right. All right, got it. Yeah, hey, uh, so um, I've been doing some research here. First off, I, I I think someone heard me ask, or one of you guys heard me ask this, but what the heck is the uh, is the Big Bash League?
4: So Big Bash League is the uh, Australian cricket league. Oh, okay. Um, it's asked, the best cricket league in the world. Is in India. And uh, that's the Indian Premier League, and Big Bash League is like—I don't know—what would you say, David? Maybe a, a step down from that?
5: Yeah, from what I know, yep. Yeah.
4: Okay. Do you guys know anything about cricket?
5: I've seen I've seen a few games. This is the <laughs> uh, the shortened version of cricket. This isn't the five day one. This is the one oh, okay. that looks a lot like baseball. You know, games two to three hours, but okay. you know, reasonable amount of excitement. Uh, so that that's the, how they can get a whole league around it.
1: Okay and that one's coming up uh, in your uh, no rivalry com gonna me give you guys a full introductions uh, David is uh, the associate professor at uh, with the Eisenberg School of Management in Massachusetts at Amherst and Joe is the professor at the Hale College of Business at Northern Kentucky Joe you actually um, didn't hire David once is that right <laughs>
4: That is true. I didn't even know at the time that I was ignoring him, but but he does not let me forget it. But I he Mailed an application and I did not respond. Back when I worked in college athletics.
1: And of course, David, you've know, you you know that's a grudge thing, right?
5: Oh, absolutely. I, I I can't even imagine what my career could have been if Joe had hired me. That's, uh, that is great. It
1: might have uh, you never would have been where you're at. Uh, but you guys finally got to start here with the uh, the no rivalry. Let's hop into this why why put this together and uh, Joe, I'll start with you on this and how did it come about?
4: Yeah, that's a great question um, and I'm gonna go back to college athletics when I worked uh, I used to work at Miami University and that's Miami of Ohio uh, in Oxford, Ohio just outside of Cincinnati. and um, at that time my job, in my role there i had to write radio copy for the radio commercials for athletics athletic events and, and some television copy and i would get my boss at the time to proofread it and he would insert the word rival anytime we played another mid-american conference opponent right he would yeah. insert it into the into the copy and i used to argue with we were friends but i you know i had a friendly argument with him like you can't just call every single conference opponent a rival Right. Right. And so that stuck that stuck with me because we had a good time arguing over that. And then I ended up going to the University of Massachusetts for for to pursue my Ph.D. and met David there. And he had a similar interest. And and he also had uh, experience working in college athletics um, prior to pursuing his Ph.D. And it just became a topic that both of us were interested in. And and at one point we were working on a paper. David was working on a paper um, for a class, a seminar and looking for in the research literature for a definition of rival. And surprisingly, there just really wasn't a consistent definition. And so that led us to start thinking about, hey, there seems to be, you know, some work maybe that needs to be done here. Um, and so, David, if you want to expound on that at all, but but that's kind of the backstory there.
5: Yeah, it's just people had so many different views about what is a rival, what, what's a rivalry, what isn't. And it's something that we talk about every day, so I thought it would be very quick to find this information and then realize that it, it, there hasn't been a consistent investigation into it. And so that's what we've done uh, for over a decade now, is, is really trying to understand how fans construct rivalry and what they feel about rivalry uh, with, for, the, for their teams and the team's opponents.
1: All right, so what's the... How do we how do we do this? Because you guys actually have a lab where this where this all comes together, uh, David. I'll start there with you.
5: Yeah. So that's um, one thing that we, we like to do with it is uh, one learn a lot more, of course, from a research side, but also bring it in and get students involved so that they get a chance to work with data and uh, work with the concepts that come up here. And so that's something that this upcoming year, now that we're Back in person, we'll be able to get a lot of students coming through to help, and Joe's been having students work with him for many years. I've had some students uh, work with me in the past, and Joe even teaches a class on rivalry, and has been able to bring it into the classroom that way.
1: Yeah, and, and Joe, tell me about this. I mean, take me through um, what, what the kids go through and what, they, what they're learning here and, and, and researching
4: yeah I mean sometimes the initial reaction we get is what you teach a class on rivalry? Like first of all, I want to be in that class and secondly, why is there a college class on rivalry right? Well and to so, interrupt
1: real quick, sometimes there's no class in rivalries if you know what I'm saying.
4: Yeah yeah, that's a good, um, a good way to think about it. and that's part of what we study is like the reaction to rivals. you know like why do you, you know why do fans have a reaction to a certain opponent that is drastically different than another opponent? Right. Because when you when you think about uh, advancing toward a championship, like in some ways, all opponents count the same, you know, um, but we don't look at it that way as sports fans. And so we, we seek to measure that um, through interview, initially fan interviews, and then that helped us develop the survey that we use now. And that's the data that's featured on the website on the No Rivalry website is is results from the survey and that survey is ongoing, right? And we, and we've, um, so in the class, what we talk about is we travel actually around the world and we talk about what sports are prominent in different parts of the world. So we talk about cricket in Australia and India, like we were talking about a couple minutes ago. Um, most of the British, actually, where the British Empire um expanded is where you see a lot of cricket and rugby and and we talk about that. And then we talk about what are the big rivalries uh, in different parts of the world and why are these two teams rivals. And a lot of times when you get outside of the United States, there's something else behind those rivalries, like some sort of cultural factor, whether it's religion or it can be uh, an immigrant population group uh, that came into an area at a certain time and the team a certain team came to represent those immigrants. It could be politics Uh, in a lot of cases. And so what it does in the class is it helps the students to sort of understand cultures in different parts of the world and how that's reflected in sports, and then also how that translates into then the business of sports.
1: Okay. We're talking with uh, Dr. David Tyler and Dr. Joe Cobbs here about uh, the norivalry.com. And I saw the article, I think it was a a week or two ago on on Twitter, and when I reached out to you guys, because it just – It's awesome, and and, and when I my first email to you uh, both, it was, you know, we know Cat Grizz up here, and obviously you haven't got to the FCS yet, but to us, I mean, that's the biggest rivalry in the country. Uh, Forget Auburn and Alabama and all those. I mean, it's it's Cat Grizz. What are you guys going to look for between differences, or will there be differences, David, between the FBS and the FCS?
5: So... it's interesting you say that because a lot of people are surprised when they ask what's the biggest rivalry. And based on the data we've analyzed so far uh, in college football, the biggest rivalry is Arizona Arizona State, and and as you mentioned, the Iron Bowl, right? Uh, people think of that, but when you are an Alabama fan, you've got your rivalry with Auburn, but you also have strong feelings towards some other teams too, like the Tennessee historically and whatnot. But for a, a game like Arizona Arizona State, it's the that they are completely focused on each other, and so when you say that Montana, Montana State uh, brawl of the wild, is that good? Well, uh, let's just call you know, it cat grizz. Grizz, cat grizz, okay. <laughs> um, when if, if, if it depends on how much focus those fans put on each other, as to how meaningful that game is from both sides, and so, something that really gets on our nerves is when you hear things called a rivalry game. When only one side sees it as a rivalry, mm-hmm. and in the case of cat grizz, grizz cat. No, Gris, no, right? no, no. We don't ever say grizz cat. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so this, is the, this is why we need to do this research. Help us understand it. The in that case, if both sides see it as that strong rivalry, then you you have a more focused rivalry. And then it's really a, a full rivalry game from both sides.
1: Well, it wasn't a rivalry for 16 years when the Grizz were winning 16 straight years. But, uh, uh, and, Joe, you had some uh, connection with the Grizz back in, what, 06, is that right?
4: Yeah, yeah. And uh, because they actually played UMass, and I'm sure David remembers this too, because mm-hmm. he was at, at University of Massachusetts uh, at the time, and, um, in the national championship game. Or, no, it was a semifinal game. And, uh, if I remember correctly, yeah, I think it was a semi-final and UMass won that game and advanced on, uh, and then lost in the national championship game. Um, but that was kind of, I remember I was watching it at a hockey game in the hockey arena at, in Amherst, a UMass hockey game and an intermission. And then after the hockey game ended, they were showing the football game, you know, on the Jumbotron. So it was a fun sport experience, you know, to watch it with other fans and, and get to see it. Yeah, we don't – there's –
1: I don't know if you can see, but there's actually – that's a Bobcat helmet. We'd have no Grizz paraphernalia (laughs) here in the studio. So um, I was the PA guy at MSU for 16 years, so it's – I saw a lot of ups and downs and a lot of downs for those early years. Uh, But we're talking with Dr. David Tyler, Dr. Joe Cobbs, norivalry.com. All right, so what's the biggest rivalry in Major League Baseball? Is it what we all assume and think it is, Joe?
4: Yeah, and actually this changed a little bit. So when we first started collecting data in Major League Baseball, um, it would have been, was it, 2015, I think, is maybe when we started collecting data. And in the first wave of data collection over that first year, um, Giants-Dodgers finished ahead of Yankees-Red Sox. Um, But in the last couple years, uh, as we've continued data collection, and it's still ongoing, you know, your listeners can go to the website and fill out the survey for A bunch of different sports. We'd love to get the FCS data. We're working on that, and then we can put that up on the website in the future. Um, But Yankees, Red Sox did surpass um, Giants, Dodgers, which is number two. Giants, Dodgers uh, is number two now in the way that we measure it. And one of those
1: is, uh, David, is um, closeness and uh, proximity. And you think of proximity, obviously, New York, Boston, pretty close. But I go to college basketball, Duke, North Carolina. I mean, they're seven miles apart. You can't get much closer than that and is that the biggest rivalry in college basketball?
5: So we're still we're still looking at that college basketball data so okay. I can't give you a straight answer now one would think that would be pretty high but you've also got NC State there I don't know if they're going to siphon off any points we'll have to see when we do the numbers but that's what's interesting if you look at college football with that with those three schools Duke, Carolina—they aren't the—that's not the biggest one because NC State plays a much stronger role in football than in basketball. So it's not—it it varies by sport within college as well. And Joe, you,
1: you being there in Northern Kentucky, obviously Kentucky basketball rivals with everybody. But you know, Kentucky, Duke is a big one. Kentucky and everybody in the SEC. Um, but yeah, I guess things in can Kentucky change. and Louisville. Kentucky Louisville is a big one. rivalry. Yeah. 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 I guess things change depending on where what sport it is, like David said.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. In the class, you know, we talk about some of the rivalries that are local to us, you know, and, and one of the ways that I think this data is useful, not just, you know, it's fun to talk about in a setting like this and to debate with friends, um, but when you think about the business aspect of it, NKU is a great, Example, because we've changed conferences. You know, in the time in the ten years I've been at NKU, we transitioned from Division II to Division I. We were originally in the Atlantic Sun, and now we're in the horizon We moved into the Horizon League, which is a much better fit for our for our university. But in in that process, our opponents changed, right? And so one of the challenges, and I deal a lot with our uh, athletic department personnel. One of the challenges is to how do you create an authentic Rivalry, you know, not one that's made up and given some kitschy name that nobody cares about, you know, none of the fans right. really care about. It's how do you do this in an authentic way? And we think that our data can really help because it identifies what fans view as the factors that kind of contribute to their perception of rivalry, right? And then it also measures their actual perceptions of who is the rival. And so in NKU's case, you know, we've been collecting some data it looks like probably Wright State for several different reasons, which is just outside of Dayton, um, is going to end up being our rival. But it's it's a good example of where, you know, there's some usefulness for this data from a business uh, and fan growth standpoint um, beyond just kind of the fun nature of it as well.
1: I look at, you know, the on norivalry.com, and basically there's ten ingredients that you guys come up with in three different categories. Um, consistency, how many times you play. Uh, conspicuous moments, big you know, big time stuff. Uh, characters and competitiveness, and I think of characters, and I go Yankees, Red Sox. Everybody knows of Bucky, you know, Bleep and Dent, uh, but and Aaron Boone. But then, so you have conflict conditions, strong similarity, and deep difference. Uh, David, what's the explain the strong similarity? So the the
5: strong similarity and deep. Deep difference are kind of two sides there. And one of the ones within strong similarity is the synonymous values and appearance. And on a deep difference side, disparate values and appearance. Essentially, that's cultural similarity, cultural difference. And we we care about others when they're kind of more similar to us, but we see them as more different. So you think – You know, Texas and Texas A&M historical rivals, you know, going back a ways, obviously that shifted a little bit with conferences and whatnot. But those are two schools that looking at from the outside, you might say, oh, those are, those are schools are pretty much the same. They're both large institutions in Texas and what have you. But if you are in that rivalry, you see those two schools as completely different. There's nothing similar for those, you know, one's the urban, one's, uh, you know, not, not the capital and everything else. There's, uh, you, you highlight these strong differences between your groups, but yeah. when you take a step back, there's enough similarity that you still care. So why is uh, if you are, you know, a um, uh, Montana or Montana State, either one, um, you know, why don't you care about matches versus, I don't know, Boston College? Well, there's what's what's similar there. What how does Boston College's success or failure or what have you affect you and your fan identity. It really doesn't. But that's what that similarity and difference gets into. Yeah,
4: a good way to understand the similarity is just think about um, sibling rivalry, right? Mm. And and everybody who has a sibling kind of knows whether, you know, yeah, I see them as, as sort of a big personal rival or I don't, you know, and usually you know, the things that make it a big rivalry is when you're close in age, you're the same gender, you know, then it increases those rivalry factors because you're so similar to each other that you differentiate yourselves by sporting competition. Sure.
1: Well, that explains the Cat Grizz rivalry in a nutshell right there. Um, <laughs> and one of the quotes you guys had was, and we could have said this for 16 years as Bobcat fans, is we're, we get, they, they kick our asses all the time. Um, I love that. Okay, so we get all the data. You guys fill out, we fill out the survey as fans. What's next? How do we uh, differentiate the points, and, and how does everything come together to determine rivalry scores? Um, whoever wants to hop in with that one.
5: Yeah, so uh, on the basic, one of the things, and the thing that uh, drives a lot of what's on the website, is this 100-point score method where we ask you as fans, all right, you've got 100 rivalry points. How do you allocate those to opponents? Do you give all 100 to one opponent? Do you give 90 to one, 10 to another, 60 30, 10, you know, however it is, uh, you know, up to 10 different opponents. And that helps understand the relative weight of one opponent versus another for a fan group. And then, then there are a whole bunch of other things we look at, things like the rivalry elements that you were talking about to understand what makes up the rivalry because in some cases an element might be really high for one fan group but in a different rivalry, that element's kind of meaningless, and another one's really high. And so understanding those antecedents to the rivalry help us understand how the fans perceive the rivalry and what makes it so meaningful and why that other team is so important. So when you think about Cats
4: Grizz, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it might be, you know, for Cats fans that you know, one of the elements in Deep Differences is relative dominance, mm. you know, that the Grizz were sort of dominant during that period. Um, and that might have been a big factor for Cats fans that like, hey, we got to get over this dominance, right? We got to get competitive. We got to start winning some of these um, big games. But on the other side of the relationship for Grizz fans, they might look at the Cats as a rival, but relative dominance is not that it's not that salient to them. It's not top of mind because they're the ones at that time that were doing the dominating. So it's other factors like maybe the similarity in the institutions or the fact that, you know, they compete a lot and maybe there were some uh, conspicuous moments or some conspicuous characters. So you can kind of think about it almost like a recipe. You've got these 10 ingredients and they're going to combine in different ways and different rivalries to, to create the rivalry and we end up with something that, is a little bit unique in each rivalry. Um, and what we're interested in, in learning more about is what's that combination, you know, what's that recipe to the Cat's Grizz Rivalry. You know, what's the recipe to Yankees Red Sox and how does that manifest itself in not only business outcomes, but also in some fan behaviors, you know, is there discrimination against rival fans? Um, is there some sort of prejudice? Is there respect between the fans, you know, where they enjoy being together and, and kind of having fun and ribbing each other, but, you know, they're all trying to elevate the big sky conference, for example.
5: Yeah, and, and I don't, some of the other oh, go some ahead, of the David. other things we look at are things where we'll ask, like, how would you feel if your uh, child married a fan of your <laughs> rival, or if your boss was appointed as a rival? We we actually took these scales from prejudice scales and adopted them for rivalry oh, okay. and to try to help understand some of that.
1: Well, I think you know, ninety nine percent of fans in rivalries are are great. They have you know, they're. We're class with each other. We respect each other. But then there's that one percent that kind of ruin it for everybody. You know, like the the guy that killed the trees. You know, and mm-hmm. down in the SEC. And I always said, look, my son, if you want to go play for the Grizz, play football or basketball. I'm going to root for you and hope you do well individually. But I hope you lose every game. <laughs> I don't want you to even. I don't want you to win a game at all. But that's. I mean, that's a rivalry, right? That's a rivalry point.
4: Oh, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, an interesting point along those lines is like in that set of questions where we ask about sort of family relationships, you know, how would you feel if, um, you know, a, a spouse uh, was a fan of the rival team, you know, and the question that gets answered with the most passion is. The one about what if your child became a fan of the rival team? (laughs) That one is like off the charts compared to it's like people can live with the fact that, yeah, you know, I might consider an intimate relationship with a rival fan. That's one of the questions like, you know, I might, you know, not be that upset if a rival fan joined my family by marriage. But, boy, if my kid becomes a fan of the rival that's just not acceptable. He's, he's disowned. Well, because then
5: I've failed as a parent, right? Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. It's probably
5: – they yes, feel it's a reflection yes. on them as a parent.
4: Well, that's 100%. a great point. Uh,
1: well, my wife, uh, I married into her family, and they're all Grizz family, and my family, of course, being Cats. And, you know, we argue all the time is, you know, the Cats have three national championships, the Grizz only have two. Although Grizz fan says, well, yours only came at, you know – The NC, you know, lower levels, but one was NAI, one was D2, and one was 1AA. They were the only school in the nation with three championships at three different levels, 56, 76, and 84. So, you know, the Grizz have lost a bunch in the title game, which is fine. Uh, but her school, then she goes, well, my school won six championships because she went to Carroll College, which dominated the early 2000s in NAI football. So uh, there's another one, you guys, uh, you throw the NAI in there. Oof, you get some good, good rivalries.
4: Yeah, I mean, we would like to, you know, that's what we've been working on really a lot in 2021. David's been been lifting the, the bulk of the weight in that in expanding the survey out to where we can collect data. Um, in more than just kind of FBS and the NFL, right? We're looking to do multiple sports around the country. We want, we want to get, you know, into FCS, like we mentioned. Um, and eventually we'll, we'll probably get to NAIA eventually, um, in collecting data in that realm, because that's one of the great things about rivalry is everybody kind of understands it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, And and it's applicable across sports, but it looks a little bit differently across sports. And by understanding the elements that contribute to it, Hopefully we can also understand a little bit of, you know, that jerk that you mentioned earlier that's like the 1% of fans that, you know, you know what is it about, I think his name was Harvey Updike, the guy who poisoned the trees. Yeah. You know, how did he view that rivalry in a way that's different than so many other fans? You know, he clearly saw it as a bigger threat to, his, to who he was, and he acted out on that threat. You know, why did he see it that way? And so we hope that some of our research can, and we build on a lot of social psychology, but some of our research can sort of help to unpack that so that we can avoid those situations as much as possible and keep it respectful.
1: Norivalry.com is the website. Doctors uh, David Tyler and Joe Cobbs joining us here at Mike Miller State Farm Hotline. All right, what would you want our fans to uh, to do um, after this is all done when they when they watch this and they're like, hey, we got to go vote on this?
5: The, the best thing to do is go to the website. We appreciate you sharing that. And up in the upper right, there's the take a survey take the survey link, they can go there and select FCS and share their thoughts. Uh, uh, These rivalries are important just because, you know, we we talk about the Iron Bowl, but that, that isn't any more meaningful to... The people of um, you know Montana or anywhere else. Uh, every rivalry is important to the people who are involved with it, and so we really want to get that data and get that better understanding. So if they can, uh, if your listeners are willing to share their thoughts, we would appreciate it. We'd love to hear their perspectives and learn, um, you know, learn about this this great rivalry within Montana, and, and what-
4: share it with you know share it on message boards if they're you know participate in fan message boards. Mm-hmm. Put it up there for us and, and uh, ask, you know, their friends to, to take it as well. Yeah,
1: definitely. Bobcat Nation, e Grizz, and, uh, of course, the whole Frontier and stuff. But, um, you know, when you think about rivalries and, and, you know, people always say, well, like in, in here in the state is, well, you got to root for Montana or Montana State, whichever one's in the playoff, because they have Montana kids. And I said, here's mm-hmm. the thing. Oregon doesn't want Oregon State to win, right? I mean, Texas doesn't want Texas A&M or Texas Tech to win. Michigan, Michigan State, right? I mean, is that one of your questions, Stu, or, or falls into that is, look, I don't care if these kids are from this state. They're just – that's the rival.
5: So this is – yeah, this is something we're investigating right now is when do you root for your rival? If you're – uh, I, I married – well, I married into an SEC family, and, you know, my uh, father-in-law is a Gator, and – but he will root for the SEC – in everything else, uh, you know, he's got a lot of identification with the SEC as a, a, and, and all those teams, but he still struggles a little bit with Georgia. He just oh, yeah. can't <laughs> has a hard time getting behind Georgia doing anything. But that's the question: like, when do you root for your rival if they are? Because some people will say we want our rival to win every game except versus us, sure. because it makes us look good. And also, you some colleagues in um, Germany did. Uh, this study and they found that they wanted their rival to finish not at the bottom of the league because if you finish at the bottom in german soccer you get kicked out so they wanted them to finish just above the bottom so they still stay in the league because they still wanted that competition so the idea with rivalry is you still want to have that interaction with the rival and trying to understand when you want that interaction when how what that meaning is, and when you root for it, still something we're investigating and hope to learn about with this new round of data collection.
1: That's an interesting point, yeah. No, you never root for your rival.
5: <laughs>
1: you can root for the rest of the conference, She's not your rival. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Dr. David Tyler, Dr. Joe Cobbs, norivalry.com. Appreciate you guys taking the time. I know it's late out there on the East Coast, but uh, uh, I look forward to chatting with you guys in the future, and anything we can do out here to help, just uh, just let us know, man.
4: Thanks so much. Yeah, once we have the data analyzed, we'd love to come back on. Thanks Absolutely. for having us.
1: Thanks, guys. That is uh, Dr. David Tyler, Dr. Joe Cobbs from NoRivalry.com. And uh, seriously, go there, check it out. I highly, sugge- uh, highly recommend it and suggest it, but uh, check it out, NoRivalry.com. Quick break. We'll come back on this day in history, tell you what's in shape for the weekend, the walk-off, and more next. All of our guests join us via the Mike Miller State Farm Hotline. That includes our previous guests, David Tyler, Joe Cobbs, Doctors, and NoRivalry.com. Looking forward to filling out some survey stuff. You should go there. Check it it out. Let's help them out, get the FCS going, and even the NAI. All right. We're going to have a very short segment right now because i got to head to dinner. And I'll tell you who afterwards. By the way, Montana Horses Magazine, all horses, all Montana, Montana Horses Magazine, packed with every wonderful, wow-worthy thing you'll want to know about all things Montana horses. On this day in history, brought to you by Big Sky Printware. We print what you wear. It is July 22nd. It is a National Mango Day. It is National Hammock Day. Rat Catcher's Day and Refreshment Day. And I don't know what that means. Any type of refreshment or just refreshment? I don't know. And it, is it panouche fudge? Panouche fudge? I don't know. It's fudge. 1905, Philadelphia A's pitcher Weldon Henley, no-hit St. Louis Browns. 1912, the fifth summer modern Olympic Games closed in Stockholm, Sweden. I got to, I got to, real quick, I dropped the uh, uh, Jason Walker show shirt off with a good friend Nicole, and uh, she exchanged some uh, Helena. Tennis gear, Helena High, but uh, she said um, she loved the Swedish story yesterday. Um, the Swedish, uh, we had the the Norwegian, not Norwegian, but Swedish ski team from Colorado out at my house back in like 1998. It was fun, um, and then Sweden, of course, uh, knocking off the woke U.S. soccer team yesterday, three nil, which is even better. Uh, 1923, Washington Senators' future Hall of Famer, Walter Johnson, becomes the first to reach 3,000 career strikeouts. He finished with 3,508. 1963, in the second clash, on his birthday, by the way, Sonny Liston, he was 33, KOs Floyd Patterson in the first round in Vegas to retain the world heavyweight boxing title. 1984, at the Open Championship at St. Andrews, Seve Ballesteros of Spain wins a second of his three Open titles. 1990, also at St. Andrews, Nick Faldo wins a second of his three titles. On this date in 1990, at the 90th U.S. Golf Amateur Championship, some guy by the name of Phil Mickelson won. wonder how he went on to have success in the PGA, or if he did. I just kid. 1997, the professor, Greg Maddox, a complete game in 76 pitches. It is Sonny Liston's birthday. He passed away at the age of 40 in 1970, uh, but he was born on this date in 1930. Um, we didn't die on this date in 1970. He was born on this date in 1930. 1941, the guy that wrote Secretariat to the Triple Crown, Ronnie Turcotte's birthday. He's from Canada, but has a lot of connections to Helena and Great Falls, and also Butte back in the day. 1947, Don Henley was born. Selena Gomez in 1992, entertainment-wise. Bob Dole in 1923, he's still kicking. 1940, Alex Trebek was born. Of course, he passed away last year. Danny Glover's birthday is today, 1946. And the author of The Outsiders, S.E. Hinton, was born on this date in 1948. It's a great book. Uh, John Dillinger got shot dead at the age of 31 on this date in 1934. And, And on this date in 1992... American stuntman, rodeo performer, model, and actor, best known for playing the Marlboro Man, Wayne McLaren, died of lung cancer, ironically, on this date in 1992. He was 51 years young.
0: We're almost at the end of the show. What did we learn? And what did he miss? Time for the walk off.
1: The walk-off is brought to you by Cafe Zydeco, where the big easy meets the big sky. And get in there to uh, check them out and get some shrimp, etouffee, beignets, anything you – po' boys, unbelievable. Cafe Zydeco, proud sponsor of the Jason Walker Show. All right. um, What is coming up? Uh, We're off tomorrow. We're back Monday. We'll have uh, Coach Mike Van Deist on the show on Monday. Don't forget, next week we'll be live in Great Falls on Tuesday – for the uh, Frontier Media Day, and then uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday next week, live at the VIP room at the uh, fairgrounds here in Helena, getting set for the Last Chance Stampede, not only the night show but on Wednesday, but then the two rodeo nights that were on the air, 29th and 30th. Don't forget the Calcutta on the 30th as well for the 31st performance. And uh, that will be a lot of fun. If you missed anything you want to hear about the Calcutta, go check out Monday show at JasonWalkerShow.com. All right. Thanks for doing this uh, all week. We had fun. Jay Linderman, Fallon Frigge, Lindsey Cruz, Joe Cobbs, David Tyler, the doctors, and Governor Greg Gianforte. That's where I'm headed to dinner tonight. Going to have dinner with the governor. Oh, by the way, Art, Art who says bears eat cats, so obviously Art's a being a Grizz fan. Cat, Bobcat Rodeo has um, more national championships than the Grizz, like by a lot, like 12 nothing or something like that, 11-zip. So forget football. Rodeo dominates. We'll have dinner with the Gov. I'll tell you how it goes Monday, Jason Walker Show. Have yourself a great weekend. Stay safe, stay hydrated.